I'm Charlie Hipwood, CEO of Mass Ventures. And I'm Stacy Swider, an investor at Mass Ventures. And we welcome you to the Fundable Founder, where we'll be exploring relevant topics for technology entrepreneurs to help them succeed in raising capital and in growing their businesses. As a founder who started and ran three companies, I didn't know what I didn't know when I first set out. <laughs> but you eventually figured things out, right? For the most part, through trial and error and mentorship. But now as a VC, I'm frequently advising entrepreneurs on the same topics. So Stacy and I are here to share that earned wisdom with you, along with the experts that we interview on a variety of subjects. We are. The roadmap to a successful startup is at your fingertips. So turn up the volume and grab the keys to success for your fundable founder journey. Okay, welcome to another episode of The Fundable Founder. I'm here today with Greg Segal. Alice, uh, welcome, Greg. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, I'm excited to have you on today because I know you have a great story to tell. And, um, you know, you and I go back to pretty far, about 10 years, I think, um, well before you decided to start, Alice. And I, I do remember um, we had a lunch in Newton uh, before you started, Alice, where you were kind of laying out what you were thinking about and and, and how to go about fundraising. And so um, I feel it was great to be part of, of your process in that. So why don't you start by telling us a little about, bit about what Alice is? Yeah, so Alice is a uh, enterprise SaaS company that targets sales and marketers uh, to use gifting, swag, incentives, rewards to be able to really get to know people better and be able to incentivize and you know just connect them on an individual one-to-one -one basis simple enough yeah, so it's basically become <laughs> yeah it's become like the the number one way for people to actually engage especially during covid you know virtually where alice allows the person to be able to pick what they want teach, tells you more about the person and then allows you to really you know dig in deeper in terms of showing that you're investing in both their time and the and the money into them uh and that's been a huge huge boon for us especially as all these companies have gone virtual such in such a fast you know fashion here but we've obviously been at it for the last few years are there any specific examples of kind of the value add you've provided to some of your customers, especially during this COVID period? So I think the um, if you think about any investment or any relationships that are going on right now, one of the biggest problems is that every single channel is saturated right now. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, everybody is taking this very generic approach to every single channel that they're using, whether it's you know emails, LinkedIn, calls, whatever it might be everyone plays on this whole breath strategy. How many messages can I get out there? How much of a wide net can I cast? And what we're all about at Alice is, well, how do you actually make every single one of those into a moment? And how do you use gifting and you know, Alice, just the entire platform to be able to actually help you dig deeper into those, into those relationships? And that can happen at any stage throughout that. Obviously we focus very heavily where the ROI is in terms of building the sales funnel uh, and the marketing funnel, yep. um, but it also blends directly into your CS strategy and your customer strategy and your renewals and your partnership strategy and your HR strategy, all that stuff plays deeply into that because every one of those places you're trying to actually get closer with individuals inside of, inside of business. That's fantastic. And I've always wanted to know, how did you come up with the name? <laughs> um, well, you've, we've known each other for a long time. So, you know, my last company was One Pica. Yes. And, uh, and it was spelled O-N-E space P-I-C-A. Everyone would spell it wrong, you know, or say it wrong. It was Una Pica. I'm like, we're not Pikachu. Like, come on. Like, that's just not the, that's not the, way, the way it is. And so this is a very concerted name when I was thinking about this business. And so I had four key things. One was I wanted it to be an A name because okay. we're at the top of the alphabet. 
every yep. time we're listed on any single you know list, we're there, which is awesome. And that's played out really nicely for us. For us. Number two is I want it to be actual name because the mission of the business was about how do we actually bring people closer together. So personify that and use yep. a name that was there. I really liked Alice specifically because it has only positive connotations. So Alice in Wonderland, Alice from the Brady Bunch, you know, anybody that named Alice, Alice always had a problems. Of course, <laughs> rock on, you know, that's always the way it is. Um, you know, so yeah, always positive connotations around that. And the next was, I'm a, as you know, I've told you many times about this. I'm like a huge domain geek. Yep, so I've collected yep. domains for, you know, 20 years now. And I'm just a sucker for like five letter domains okay. um, and, and being able to get the .com. So that 212, I'm just like a super geek around that. That's just my own, own neuro, uh, neuroses. And, you know, I loved Alice. And, you know, the last thing I, I liked about Alice, also we want to be able to acquire the .com, which we did after we raised our first round of capital. And uh, yeah, and so it started as Alice.co changed over to alice.com where there's a whole bunch of fun funny situations that happened you know through that which is not really safe for work and not really great around here um and that was it yeah so it was a very very concerted you know name right from the get-go compared to my last two businesses that had really shitty names <laughs> yeah so let's let's go back to the beginning when you were thinking about starting alice um you know what really inspired you to do this i know you were very deliberate in the way you thought about starting your business so you know, yeah. what was your inspiration and what really kind of helped seal the deal for you to say, yeah, this is the business I want to run and that I'm going to spend the next 10 years of my life doing. Yeah, you've, you've seen my other businesses. So this is my third business. Um, the first two businesses, well, I guess I'll jump to like the, instead of give me the, the, you know, the 20 hour, you know, version here, I'll skip to the actual impetus and sort of the, the backing behind this. Yep. Um, I had my daughter you know, about four and a half years ago, right at the same time I started Alice. Um, and my wife was pregnant at the time with my daughter. And as you know, having kids, it just flips your entire perspective on life to go from being very egocentric and like everything's about me, you know, to holy crap, the world is about how do I make it better for this little human being that just yeah. like, you know, all of a sudden you get this unconditional <laughs> love for, right? And so, you know, when that was happening, I just said, well, if I'm gonna start a company, I want it to be something that actually has a much more massive impact on that mission of making the world a better place for her. Yep. And so, you know, I told you about this at that, at that lunch, I remember the high table with the white, you know, the, the wood, you know, we were sharing a beer over this, you know, I was telling you about this whole Alice idea at the time, you know, four or five years ago. What I remember is you ate a really healthy salad and I ate like a cheeseburger. So. I do remember that. And we went, yeah, we were geeking out over that. Yes, yes, exactly. Right. Um, so uh, again, more neuros, you know, neuroses there too. So the, you know, the key thing was I wrote down this on the original whiteboard, you know, where I was writing down the original idea for this, um, which I still have a picture of, which I, I think Great. I can show you. And I said, there's three pillars of giving that I wanted to actually be a part of this that would allow it to say that this is a huge impact on the world. The first one was if we can make the giving between people super authentic and just truly genuine between those individuals, it fundamentally will, will just be something that like people want to use it because it just is doing good in terms of how to actually bring people together in, in, a, in a true way instead of, oh, it's another thing that's blasting out spam to people or, you know, whatever the hell it is that's there. So, I was, you know, pillar giving number one. Giving pillar number two was how do we give back to the planet? 
So everything we do is built around sustainability and sort of right. how do you make sure that everything that we're doing, especially with $120 billion a year being spent on all this crap that nobody wants, you know, that's there, right? <laughs> like you another like another sense. half zip pullover? Another, yeah, another half zip pullover or sending me <laughs> chocolate feet to get my foot in the door yeah, or sending yeah. me toast to say your competition is toast. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like nobody wants that crap anymore, right? Or sending me a large jacket when I wear a size medium, you know, that's yeah. it. Um, all right. So that was the second pillar. And the third pillar was how do we make giving to those in need also a core pillar of the business? And so I was looking for a business model that encompassed all of those things together. And that was why it was very intentional in terms of like trying to find this, you know, this idea. And when you started to see how much waste, how much, you know, you know, superfluous spend and just things that were happening in the corporate world, I was just like, we could, we could fundamentally change an industry that hasn't changed in a hundred years and take a software experience perspective on, you know, lens on this and fundamentally just be able to use to scale authenticity. And so that was the whole initial, you know, impetus. And again, that's become clear and clear, but it was literally written down on day one in September of 2015 as to like what I wanted the business to be able to accomplish. And as Alice gets bigger, we just like, we just donated $300,000, you know, to charities, That's awesome. you know, it's like really awesome to see. And if, you know, we continue on our track trajectory, we'll be at 3 million this year. And then you get to 30 million and it's, you know, it becomes the largest charity in the world, you know, within the matter of the next like four to five years. That's awesome. And the other thing I remember is just, you, just how much like customer discovery you did kind of interviews with people, uh, yeah. interviews with, with VCs, like, does this sound like a good idea oh, yeah. or not? Uh, and yep. I think that's something a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs miss out on. They think, I really like this idea. So everyone's really going to like this idea and they don't do the customer discovery. Talk about that process a little bit. Yeah, I think I learned from the second business I started where I, I took a like, well, if we build something cool, people will use it, you know, or the, you know, if you build it, they will come, you know, yep. uh, mantra, right? And I took a polar opposite approach to that, you know, with Alice. Um, and so it was sort of a quick, quick and, you know, quick and dirty run on that second company. and. I ended up doing a prototype being an engineering and art nerd, you know, design nerd that I was. Um, and I took that out to, uh, I think it was about 10 different agency owners for who I thought I was building this like referral network. It was like, a right. gift, you know, had gifting involved in that, which I, I told you about before. And, you know, quickly found from them where they're like, this is the stupidest idea. Like, what are you even wasting your time doing? So it's good having friends where you can literally say that to each other, you know, and that's the type of people I try and surround myself with where it's just yeah. like no holes barred and you don't take it personally. Um, but all of them in that prototype, had said, what about that gifting thing? I always forget what to send. I never know what to do. I always, you know, uh, um, I don't know the right times to do it. I'm sure there's more impactful ways to do this. And it's just like, as I look back on my notes, you know, from 10 lunches over two weeks, uh, it was, you know, it was impaired or it was uh, uh, just obvious how much that was a big problem yep. and how much that I could solve that and use that as an impetus. So then that was September, 2015, the end of that. In October 2015, all I did was just customer research. Um, yeah. And I told you the story. I talked to 513 companies over that 30-day span. And it was just all my friends in my network. And I was like, I just want to talk to anyone in marketing, sales, HR, blah, 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 whatever it was. And my original thought was like, well, maybe it's a consumer app that we take to the market. You started to realize the graveyard of consumer gifting companies that have been in this space you know, over the last 15 years, except for one that got bought for $50 million called Karma by Facebook in 2008 or 2009 right, right. timeframe. Every other one has just you know, raised a bunch of money and just you know, you know, died off. So it was very apparent that you know, corporate was huge. And then the second thing I looked at there too and really recognized from that research was the CAC on consumer to actually get somebody to spend, like it would be 50 bucks to acquire the customer. I'd have to get them to spend $250 just right. to get a payback on that right. because I was making a 20% margin at the time. 
So corporate was like, well, they'll drop a hundred grand, like it's nothing, you know, on these things. And that was just a much faster, you know, way for us to get to market and, and do that. So it was very concerted. And the same thing on the investor side, once I decided that this was like the idea to run with, and I started to get that traction of, you know, their first 20, 30, 50 customers uh, that were in there. Um, which happened very quickly because of the viral effect of Alice, right. which was another nice side effect of what we built. I did the same thing with the investors, you know, just started to pitch the idea to, you know, folks just like not looking for money, no. but just getting feedback and also building the relationships with, again, Founder Collective, you know, Eric Paley, who's at Founder right. Collective, you know, became an investor. I pitched to him like eight times over like eight months, you know, where I was like, here's where we are, here's what we're doing, you know, and I think he really appreciated that and then saw the, the traction and saw what we were actually doing. And just every time I met with him, gave really critical feedback where I just took it back to heart to be like, oh, yeah. For example, the best advice he ever gave me, you know, early on um, was you were an agency CEO. Your job was to say yes. You're a product-based CEO and your job is to say no. Interesting. And that is going to be the hardest thing for you to figure out, which is focus is success. You've got to build and understand and be empathetic to the actual problem you're building and not, you know, not just go building something that was cool. And that literally flipped my entire dynamic, you know, in terms of, uh, in terms of how to think about Alice. That's so awesome. And, and did you... Was that advice that you heard and you're like, that makes so much sense? Or did you have to go back and think about that for like a month and really, really agree to flip your focus? I'm just curious. It was, you know, I think I told you a lot about this over the years. Like I'm a huge podcast and like yep. YouTube geek, right? You know, so I'd listen to like the 20 minute VC a lot and just like understand from the VC's perspective, how they were thinking, which helped me think bigger on a lot of those things. Um, and then also like Saster was a really big early yep. one, you know, that I looked at. And the, But the best series that I ever watched was uh, How to Start a Startup. It was in 2014. And I wish I'd watched it in 2014. <laughs> Ended up watching it in 2016, you know, when I was running Alice. Um, and it was an entire series that was put on by Stanford University. And it had like, you know... Um, all the original founders, like, you know, Ben from Pinterest, you know, and, uh, um, you know, Brian from Airbnb. And it was like the early stages of their journey and yep. hearing their stuff yep. and hearing how you go through, it was just very, very uh, helpful uh, just to understand their perspective and how they were looking at building the business and the problems they're running into and then how they were trying to solve those as, as it went through as well. Um, but the investors, the thing that was beneficial about the investors, again, for, you know, for folks that are trying to start up, like it's a relationship game. Like they have to get to, you can't just walk in there and be like, you know, give me half a million dollars, give me a million dollars, give me $10 million, whatever it is. You're building these relationships over sometimes years, yep. you know, to where, to where it gets to. And that happened very well because I was building those relationships for the first year of trying to run Alice. And then when it came time to get the investment in Alice, you know, actually a year and a half later, um, you know, we had folks lined up, you know, because they were actually following the, the trajectory and the following the progress of the business as, as it went on. Yeah, I that's actually, a huge, huge mistake that most companies make. And even the companies I advise, huge mistake is like, okay, I need to get money right now. I have three months left of, you know, yeah. of, you know, funding. It's like, you're, you're missing the point. Like yeah. it's a journey, it's a journey. on how you, how you take that. Exactly. And, you know, I like to actually tell people now that, you know, we don't invest in early stage technology companies. We invest in early stage technology entrepreneurs. And it's the relationship that we build over that seven to eight months that gets me comfortable to invest in the entrepreneur. Yeah, I think just to that point, um, thinking about, so Peter Blackalow from Boston Seed was our first like real got it, you know, yep. he was the one who led the seed round. And, I got you know, it remember, too, but, I just couldn't right? convince my partner. I, I know, I know, I remember the, I remember the meetings, I remember the meetings, I was like, Charlie, come on, man. I know. On. You know, um, but you know, like I, I met with Peter Blacklow at the same Starbucks in Waltham uh, probably eight to 10 times. 
Mm-hmm. We would just go there and I would just like give him an update and we just like go into the business more. And it was more of like, I was using him as like a brainstorming, like somebody who just got marketing and got the understanding yep. of it. And it was interesting is that he invested just to your exact point. The investors are intel, especially early seed range, seed, pre-seed, you know, and even angels, you know, in times of that, but let's move to sort of, sort of the seed, you know, or pre-seed seed stage. They're totally betting on you as the person. Alice has, we bobbed and weaved, you know, through the years where it wasn't really like we got the first investment in the end of 2016, right? Which is our first angel rounds, you know, convertible note did a second tranche, you know, six months later after we showed more, more, you know, uh, success around that. And then we raised the seed round a year later, right. you know, from that. Um, and it was really interesting because the um, the the business that Peter and I talked about. I remember going to his office for the first board meeting, the first official board meeting, and we were we were debating: should Alice be a customer success platform or should it be, you know, a sales and marketing platform? And he was very much on the face of like fighting for why it should be a customer success retention based platform because that's where the relationships are, money's you know needs to be spent there, it could be groaning. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, yeah, but it's ten to one spend on sales and marketing and like right. you know and and that stuff. And then we had this whole conversation around like, is it mercenary? Like you're going to a mercenary space. And I was like, well, go where the money is. Let's figure that out because there's much more chance of us getting the business. And that ended up being right. So again, there was like this, but he was supportive of all of that, like throughout the whole entire thing. That's the right thing. There's different, you know, here's the risks, rewards. It's really important, you know, again, having those investors lined up in the beginning, having those conversations early on before they invest, because it's very imperative to understand when, like, it's all hunky-dory when you're getting the money and all things are going well with the company. But when things are not going well with the company and you're dealing with massive, you know, potential turmoil in the business or like, in, you know, employee issues or like, you know, not hitting your sales numbers or whatever it is that I've seen with a lot of different companies, you know, in the past um, and companies I'm advising, that's the true sign of what a, what a true um, you know investor is going to be like in terms of those those stages that are there. And I've heard nightmare story after nightmare story on that as well, which is also if you look at every investor that has come into that I, that has come into Alice's rounds, yep. everyone's been a previous operator. Everyone. Uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Everyone. I had we had some investors, very very well known investors in the in the space. I'll leave them nameless on here that really wanted to invest in Alice, and I'm like, but you're looking at us too much from a finance lens. Yep, yep. You're not looking at it in terms of the vision and the investment. It's like how Jeff Bezos, you know, with the Amazon shareholder letter back in the day, where he's like, you're taking a ten plus year journey with me, where we're going right. to lose a shit ton of money, <laughs> but eventually it's going to pay off because we're building the infrastructure for what then yep. obviously became a huge moat for what Amazon is. It's a similar thing that I look look at when we're talking about you know ourselves. And of course, we've got to hit our numbers, and now we're in this like growth phase of the business right now, but you know, those early days are really important that, that it's somebody who's going to be there to help push on you in the vision, but trust you enough in the business to be able to make those, make those calls. As, That's as so it goes. right. That's so right. And then, you know, my recollection at the seed round is you had quite a, quite a lot of investors interested. Um, yep. And, you know, I mean, how do you, how did you think about kind of, kind of creating a little bit of that interest and that fear of missing out and what any advice you can give for kind of, bringing multiple investors to the table. So, well, at the end of the day, we had a lot of investors going into it, but it was like a seven month journey in the seed round because I was like, oh, we should raise in March of 2017. We didn't close the seed round until October of 2017. And honestly, we probably started in like January, February because we're like, okay, we just closed the angel round. We need to start the whole process now, keep building the relationships. Um, I traveled, uh, man, I traveled to New York seven weeks in a row to meet with all different investors in New York everyone turned us down. Every single one turned us down. And uh, in Boston, 
back to back to back, like people just turning us down over and over and over again. And it was not until I actually met with a friend of mine, Sam Dunn, who runs uh, Robin, you know, here in Boston. Yep. yep. And I remember sitting down with him and we went to, to lunch in, in, uh, in uh, South, uh, I guess it was like the Seaport District. And I forget the, the restaurant. It was another healthy restaurant, just so you know. Um, and he did not get a cheeseburger. But, you know, the, the interesting thing and the biggest piece of advice that I got from him and then was reiterated over and over and over again was that my pitch was totally backwards for the seed round. It worked yeah. for the angel round. It was completely backwards for the seed round. Yep. My pitch was holy crap, I'm a bootstrap founder, you know, yep. that has taken this business from here to here. Holy crap, it's in a big industry. Go help us, you know, let's do this. And you get those early, early folks that just believe in you and understand you. That's right. What he said, and I remember this distinctly, was he goes, reverse your pitch. And I was like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, you got to paint the vision and get them bought off that this is a monster opportunity and that you are now taking the stepping stones to get to that next step. So that first step was like, yeah, we've already done this, but right. here's the next six steps that we have planned out to get there. But you've already got them bought off on the vision instead of saying, well, see how many things that we've done to get to this like minor, you know, small revenue number that's there to, again, a re an investor who's investing in companies that have tens of millions of dollars of revenue and you've got 10,000 ARR, you're like, nothing, but they're betting on you being able to get from 10,000 to yep. 10 million. And it's really about that, them getting them bought off on that vision in the first like two slides. And, you know, there's a guy, um, Andy Raskin, who does a really good job of talking about this. It's a new, newer concept that's come out, but he calls it the strategic narrative. If you get people bought off on the old game, new game, the strategic narrative of the business, which now I've only started to really, you know, delve into over the last couple of years, you know, with, with him and, and other folks, like that chain, that becomes the strategy. And you can also in, get investments on that because either the person's going to believe in that old game, new game, or they're not. And if they do, that's an investor who doesn't really give a crap about what your revenue is. They're going to care about how structured are you and able to get to that next stage and how disciplined are you and focused are you in terms of being able to get to that next stage, you know, there as well. Yeah, no, it, it always uh, drives me a little bit crazy when I hear an entrepreneur say like, you know, oh, the VCs aren't interested in us until we get to a million of ARR. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you haven't sold them on the vision then, right? Like we, we raised, so we raised our A round at half a million ARR. Yeah. And we raised at a crazy yeah. valuation. Yeah. And it was because they believed in the vision and they saw the trajectory. Now we had high traction at that point, you know, to get there. And we hit a million very shortly thereafter because we had a lot of things moving in our direction that was there, but there's no hard and fast rules. No. And, and the, the groups that do have hard and fast rules of which I've talked to many where they're like, we aren't talking to interior at 10 million ARR. It's very short sighted in terms of, in terms of that, because they're missing on the, like what's, but it shows you how they're going to invest and how they're going to be thinking That's about right. your business. That's right. You, you have, and even same thing with seed investors and a lot of the folks, because there's exponentially more seed rounds funds now, four years later, three years later than what was there, you know, just, just a short time ago with a hell of a lot more money to deploy right now with a lot bigger rounds, you know, that they're actually putting on, which means you've got higher hurdles to hit in order to be able to actually get to the right valuation metrics, you know, to be able to support that, That's exactly which is right. a huge issues now. <laughs> so anyway, um, back to the, back to the many investors, like going through all that failure, I redid the pitch. I went back to those other, some of those other investors and then they're like, oh, we get it. Yep. Right. But most of it was the newer investors that, that sort of came in there. And then I went back to Eric Paley, like a founder collective and back to Boston seed and, and, you know, and all those folks. And what really did it for us was I got one group on the West coast to, to like very quickly get the, get it. And then literally hand us a term sheet. Like it was like almost to the point of like it, don't go with that type of investor, by the way. Um, <laughs> but I was able to use that to actually drive, you know, you know, Boston Seed and the rest of the groups to be like, look, I've got a term sheet, I got to make a decision. And then very quickly, it was like, you know, it was there. Also note, 
the term sheet I took from you know the East Coast here was way lower in terms of valuation than what the West Coast fund was offering us, which played so much into our favor because when we raised the A rounds, yep. we didn't need to be at the same valuation to be able to actually support that as we went to the next stage. And I'm seeing so many of these valuations right now are absolutely absurd because you've got to be a perfectionist in terms of execution to be able to get to that next stage right now. And so many people, there's so many ups and downs that happen. You've got to build yourself flexibility, both in the amount of capital you're taking, and then also in the like expectations of revenue to get to the next round, yeah. knowing that at some point the bubble is going to burst. Like it just can't keep going up the way that, that it is, you know, no, that's, that's fantastic advice. And, you know, I know a lot of first-time founders especially really focus on valuation and other things and they don't want to get diluted that much and mm -hmm. you know what I always try to remind people is if you start out at a lower valuation yeah you're going to give up some some equity today uh, to get the, the money you want but down the road if you're executing right like you're going to continue to raise bigger and bigger rounds at better and better valuations and over time you know those VCs will you know there'll be some spiffs in there for your equity if you're doing the right mm -hmm. thing and you'll, you're going to end up at the same point anyway yeah. Uh, just make it a little bit uh, less of a hard road to travel on yourself. Um, yep. And then the other point is, you know, a, an investor who gives you a quick term sheet hasn't built a relationship with you. And they're just looking at you as a, it is a, a, an investment that they're an option they're hoping is going to pay off. And they're not going to probably provide all that much guidance along the way. Yep. Those, those investors that you mentioned before, I've, I'm sure have provided a ton of value uh, since 2007. Infinite. Infinite. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's not just the valuation you get, it's the, it's the valuation, uh, but it's all the value you get from the VC, not just the capital. So yeah. um, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to touch on one more thing that I think you do really well, and that's how to build your team, right? Like yep. Yep. what are just real quick advice on how to build a team? Cause you do a great job at it and you've got a great culture at Alice. Yeah. I mean, it starts, it stems back to like the three pillars of giving and the values of the business. I think one of the things that people get enamored with is like, what's the experience of this person and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, did they come from Salesforce? Did they come from whatever company it right. is? And, you know, there is a point in time and it is important to be bringing in experience. I don't want to downplay that at all. But if you build the company and the team around the core values of how you want to see the business run and you embody those, it's authentically spread throughout the rest of the organization as you go. So there's, there's the old adage, like your first five hires are what basically sets the tone and the DNA for everything else that happens in the business. Like it's very hard to pull that out of the business after you, after you go. And again, trying to build a business where it's about impact, like the folks, like it's part of our interview process. Like, right. you know, whether they know it or not, we're asking them a lot of those questions to understand like how they've interacted before. And you put in, you talk about hard situations and you see how much are they using the word we, for yeah. example. Yeah. Right. Versus yeah. I like, there's yeah. just like things that you have to like, you know, temper. And again, I've you know hired a thousand people in my career. So like I've gone enough through, I can basically quickly pick out, you know, whether the person's going to fit or not at this point. Um, but it was a very concerted effort in terms of the first few folks that joined Alice and it set the tone for everything else. And then anyone that was not doing that, they didn't last at Alice for very long. Like That's there was right. a very quick, quick, you know, rope, which is something I did a super, super poor job of at my last business, you know, my first business where it was like, just string along, string along, string along, let the bad habit and the bad eggs, you know, yep. sort of, you know, fester in there, where again, bad eggs in terms of our company doesn't mean that they weren't great at other companies, which they were because they fit right. into a different right. culture and they right. had a different mindset in terms of how they wanted to be in those, in those businesses. You've got to be thinking about that. And then every understanding also that the company has different stepping stones and the people have different stepping stones. And you've got to really make sure that you're, you're understanding how those things align as it goes to. 
tremendous advice uh, today, Greg, on, on start launching a business and the doing it deliberately and how to fundraise and how to build your team. Uh, I knew you'd be a great guest on The Fundable Founder. I do have one final question, though, and that's how would you describe yourself in one word? Wow. Passionate. Passionate. I like it. Well, Greg, it's been great catching up with you. Uh, really look forward to your success going forward at Alice and, and all the impact you're going to have. Yeah, thanks to you all for, for all the support, too, as you know, as a friend, too. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fundable Founder. Please go to our website at mass-ventures.com for more information on Mass Ventures and where you can also find other episodes just like this.